From the truckload quoting page within TIE-TMS, you can create a new shipment to instantly display your historical lane average alongside all of the market-leading rating intelligence tools. In just a few clicks, you can adjust the quote, add your margin, select your quote response template, and email an official quote right off to the customer from the same page. Request a demo today at tie-software.com to find out how TIE-TMS can optimize your quoting process. And welcome to Put That Coffee Down, the Freight Sales Show for Closers. My name is Kevin Hill here, the host of the show. Uh, we have an action-packed half hour for you. Um, we're going to talk about thinking like a CFO. Right, because a lot of times you have to sell into executive that executive suite, the CEO, the COO, the CFO. CFO has a lot of control of companies uh, these days, and we're going to talk to a CFO today, uh, CFO of Emerge, uh, Brad Blonstrom, and um, we'll be talking about how to sell into organizations and how to, to kind of create a value prop that really appeals to CFO kind of addresses what they're looking for, addresses, educates them on transportation, logistics, but also serves the value that they're looking for to to get out of it. So we'll do that in just one second. Um, But first, let's uh, do a shout out to Thai TMS. Thai TMS saves 3PLs and brokers an average of over two hours a day per rep with a smooth workflow designed to help you speed up your process and scale the growth of your brokerage. With a centralized platform integrated with your load boards, rating tools, and carrier compliance tools, Thai TMS customers see an average 30% increase in monthly shipment volume. Visit thai-software.com today to schedule a demo. Once again, that's thai-software.com today to schedule a demo. Tell them that Kevin sent you over there for that. It would be much appreciated. So here we are. We are kind of right in the middle of peak season, kind of coming out of it a, a little bit. Capacity should tighten up a little bit. Going going into, relatively speaking, really, uh, going into going into the rest of the de- December, right? A lot of drivers will be off the road, uh, spending time with family and friends. Uh, so uh, we should see a little bit of tightening capacity. It's been a, a strange year. Certainly nothing, um, nothing like 2021. Uh, we have outbound tender rejection index still in the low 4% range. So if it does tighten, I don't know if uh, you'll really be able to tell all that much. You probably won't be bidding for trucks. So it's a good time of the year anyway to, to start making those sales calls. Uh, everyone's kind of relaxing from 2022, looking forward to 2023, taking time off. And a lot of people say that it's a horrible time to make calls, to do sales. but in essence, it is the perfect time because you have less competition out there because everyone else is lollygagging. They're, they're taking their week or two weeks of vacation on the sell side. And the office kind of empties, empties out for those, uh, those shippers, those executives that you're looking to, to reach, those CFOs, like we'll be talking about later on this episode here in just a couple seconds. You know, it kind of a lot of a lot of people in their office that are competing for time with them 
or or off on vacation as well. So it's the perfect time to, to make calls, to hammer those phones, to set yourself up for a great 2023. And I can't believe 2023 just doesn't really roll off the tongue as of yet. But I guess we all have to start remembering to say 2023 and getting used to it. Uh, I can't believe 2022 is in the books almost. It's been a, a really an eventful year um, for for all of us. So with that said, let's welcome in our, our guest here, Brad Blomstrom. He's the CFO over Emerge. How are you doing today, Brad? Great, Kevin. Thanks for having me on. Perfect. Perfect. So we're going to talk about selling or really thinking like you're a CFO, but that's part of the sales process. Whoever you're selling to, you have to... You have to know that persona, and you have to adopt. You have to walk a mile in their shoes, right? Yeah, it's uh, we're, we're weird ducks too. So um, <laughs> this is a funny time to be speaking to CFOs too in the industry because uh, everybody essentially has just gone through budgeting, um, and they're trying to essentially mm-hmm. put some order onto what they think twenty twenty three is going to look like. It's not actually going to turn out that way, but you like to think that it would. Um, so anytime somebody kind of put out a budget and what they think their margins are going to be, and then they start thinking about what that is in practice, uh, it's a good time to be calling on them if you can, you know, help them improve their margins somehow. I, I think that's a, that's a really good point because I think a lot of times you say, well, the budget's already done. It's set in stone. But as we know, forecasts are never set in stone. And if you have a good value proposition, you can get anyone to change their mind at any point. And that includes CFOs, right? Yeah, and I think this is, particularly in freight, I think it's a pretty interesting time to be having that conversation just because budgets are out there. So people have essentially said what they think they're going to be spending on Transpo for 2023, but not everybody has essentially procured their rates for the year. Uh, We see a peak season this year in Q4 on our platform, which is a procurement software platform for truckload rates. Um, But bid season isn't as dominant as it used to be. And I think you're going to see a lot more larger events going to kind of slip into Q1 and Q2 as shippers kind of chase the market down. So um, a lot of what predictions have been have not essentially been uh, locked down in terms of actual capacity. So there's still a lot of room to move there. there there's, there's a lot of room to move. There's a lot of volatility that could be up in the market, certainly in the, in the first half. But chasing those rates down, I think, um, is, is on the forefront of a lot of CFOs, which brings me to, to a question as what does it really mean to think um, like a CFO when it comes to freight procurement, bids, kind of what the philosophy is. Yeah, I mean, there's the, the half serious answer, which is that CFOs are all bean counters and we're just looking to cut costs. Uh, in this environment, there's some truth to that. I mean, beans are worth more today than they used to be. Um, so uh, there's a view, though, beyond that that I take, and I think a lot of C-suites take generally, which is that um, think of yourself more as a capital allocator. Uh, and so Part of that is also the capital includes time. So if you're speaking to a CFO, how much time, energy, attention, and money are they willing and, and is the organization willing to spend on freight procurement? Um, and paradoxically, if you don't spend a lot of time being systematic about tending your uh, supply network in terms of capacity, you end up allocating a lot more time and money to it than you would be otherwise. So take, for example, if you ran an annual bid once for your freight in 2021 and once in 2022, you were probably off market for both of those situations because moves were so drastic intra-year and you end up overpaying in both scenarios. In 2021, you were probably living more in spot than you wanted to be. And in 2022, uh, your mark, your rates for, for contract are probably above where the spot market is or where the market might be generally. So people that are more conscientious about being actively procuring freight constantly versus set and forget it budgeting tend to have more success in this kind of environment. 
Do, do you think it makes sense? I, I think it makes sense to, no matter who you're talking to, to really highlight indirect costs or those hidden costs um, that, that follow without that fault outside that budget. And you mentioned one just now, and it is time, right? You know, how do you factor time and resources indirectly into a budget if it takes you so much time to, uh, whether it's complete bids or, you know, service levels, right? It's, it's hard to, to, uh, to gauge customer satisfaction uh, in a budget and, you know, the, the importance of factoring that into, into the sales process and into the value that, that you, you're creating. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody's staffs are, are on procurement and transportation right now. We're pretty taxed. Uh, and so the ability to help those folks participate or function more efficiently is really valuable right now. So to the extent they don't need to hire an extra person to handle their procurement or, or transpo for the year, that's a huge, huge benefit. So the fewer you know, tender rejections that are out there and the better service there is, that's, that's a huge selling point, obviously. So, so Brad, with all that said, you know, uh, supply chain logistics, it's very complicated. It's, it's hard to understand in a lot of ways. So coming at it from a, a CFO's point of view, kind of what, what does a sales rep really need to be thinking about whenever they're, they're approaching the finance department, the CFO, uh, the, the, the people that, that pull the strings on the numbers. Yeah. I mean, I think in this environment, um, make sure whatever you're selling, you can stick to. Um, so I think there's a, a lot of shippers that are out there kind of trying to chase the bottom of the market as much as they can. Um, and you're seeing some supply side folks come in and, and offer way below market paper rates that may or may not exist when the tender shows up, you know, weeks or months down the road. And I think, um, you know, I think what CFOs in particular want is they want to take variability out of everything they do and they want predictability. So um, what a lot of folks in my position would be optimizing for, for a manufacturing company or any big shipper would be, you know, who's going to give me a price and a, and a commitment that they're going to stick to? Um, because in this environment, I want to be able to kind of like sleep well at night knowing that, you know, all of my freight needs are going to be taken care of when they show up. And again, I don't have to spend as much time, energy and and you know, mental capital, um, like we talked about previously. Yeah, you, you brought up variability, right? Variability to the budget is something that is um, utmost important in most organizations, and and that's a number to talk about. You know, we, we know CFOs love numbers; they love to, to stick to that number. Uh, but that number is not always the cheapest rate. It might be the the one with the lowest variability or, or variance tied to you know customer needs, and that's what you should be talking about instead of coming in with your paper rates and, and trying to touch a low ball because you think that's what CFOs like. Yeah, no, if, if I were in the, the seat of a, of a capacity provider today, trucking company out there, unless you're under serious cost pressure as an organization, be long-term greedy here. Um, you know, your long-term prospects are much better served here by building credibility in this environment than, uh, you know, maximizing the, the top amount of GP for the next six weeks. Uh, you're exactly right. It's all about trust and relationships at this point and talking about trust and relationships. Uh, the CFO, uh, they might be the final decision maker. They might not be. They might be part of a group of, of different stakeholders within that company. And that's something else that, that you have to, uh, to to bring in mind if you're talking to the finance partner, the CFO, is uh, you know they're going to go within their organization to, to consult um, about what is, is best for the company. Um, so when you talk about stakeholders, I mean, what do uh, what do sales reps need to, to to bring in mind when um, when thinking about it? 
Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Yeah, in terms of who, who needs to be around the table for decision or, or who really is functionally yeah. around the table on the decision after after the sales pitch. Uh, I mean, at the very least, it's procurement and transpo. Uh, but in this environment, it's top of mind for CEO, COOs, CEOs, and the rest of the C-suite, you know, at least having that kind of conversation on a weekly basis. So, you know, I think during COVID, everybody had kind of viewed procurement and transpo as the problem children that they could point to and say, you know, we just missed our numbers because the market was terrible. Um, sometimes those were accurate. Sometimes it was kind of scapegoating. Uh, but I think it's got everybody's attention right now, even up to the board level, so beyond management. Um, but as far as people that are really making a decision, I mean, if, if the numbers pencil out, the CFO will be fine with it. If the CEO is confident that this is enabling the rest of the company's priorities, um, that's what they need to hear. Uh, and then obviously, Transpo and procurement people live this daily. Um, they need to kind of have their report and to, to make sure that their life isn't going to be uh, more of a headache going forward than it was previously. But yeah, even, even folks in unrelated uh, verticals within the organization care a lot more now. So I don't know, you look at a company like Peloton during the, during COVID, you know, their supply chain was really tough. They saw excess demand, couldn't get enough product into the States. They were airlifting uh, machines over at unsustainable uh, rates. And then they purchased the manufacturer domestically to, to nearshore some of their manufacturing and all that ended up being unsustainable. And so it, it had downstream effects on their ability to market and launch new product. And, you know, all of that needs to be kind of living in harmony. Now it's really not just pulling costs out, although that's a piece. Um, it's, it's, if you're looking at this strategically from the shipper's perspective, you need to make sure that who you're hiring uh, as a vendor for through procurement is going to be there when you need them. So we talked about reliability and, and kind of standing by your word previously but also that they're going to essentially enable the organization to accomplish everything else that they set out, not just in the budget, but in the product plan and um, everything kind of beyond even 2023. You're exactly right. And that's some, something that um, we have, I, I followed Peloton, you know, pr- pretty intently over the last year or so because of the reasons, I mean, it, it's a great case study. It's going to be a case study in MBA schools uh, over the next 20 years. Uh, definitely just the pandemic and, and the rise and fall of the, that supply chain. Uh, but, but if you were to, to go in and study that, study Peloton over the next couple of years, or the last couple of years, I should say, and put yourself into the CFO's role uh, during you know the, the, the pandemic surge of demand, not being able to, to get products on the shelf, and then the really the collapse in demand at the tail end of that, after you've purchased manufacturing, you've made all these uh, capital capex, uh, capital expenditure decisions, uh, it, 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 it'll bring up some natural questions for you to, to engage with the, the finance team and the CFOs uh, out there, um, kind of what they're thinking about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it definitely will. Um, so as a salesperson, um, you, you want to certainly find out who's around that table, who are the other stakeholders uh, and it sounded like, uh, um, Brad, you, you were mentioning if you were uh, if you were in the shippers' shoes, this, these are the people that you would have around the table doing weekly meetings, weekly catch-ups on transportation and logistics because it is that important of an aspect of the business is really a, a, 
an arm of your operations, which is uh, kind of how your business functions. Yeah, it's it's. I think COVID shined a light on a lot of this, where people realized how poor logistics was to the organization, regardless of what they did. Uh, it was not just a cost center necessity of kind of handle it and be done. It, it became a lot more core to people's ability to compete in the market generally, um, and so it's getting a lot more attention from any number of stakeholders now. Well, when you look into twenty twenty three and 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 kind of. Uh, you know, we're talking about planning and budgeting and kind of the the, the risks and worries. Um, uh, what do you see for 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 bid season and, and kind of the duration of bids? Kind of the, the philosophy. Have you seen a change in in how companies approach this over the last uh, couple of years? Yeah. So again, here at Emerge, uh, our company essentially is a bid platform. So companies can go out and run RFP events for contract or spot freight. And so we kind of have a, a seat here to see how the market is responding to this in real time. And it's been interesting. I mean, the historical tradition of kind of doing a mid Q4, early Q4 bid and, and you know, getting your budgeted rates and publishing your budget and, you know, going on vacation, that that's out. Uh, this is such a dynamic market that the more successful shippers that we see in, in the market are the ones that kind of tend to it constantly. So they may have larger, longer duration bids for a lot of their core operations. They generally are running more periodic bids. So whether it's a monthly mini bid or, you know, some project freight, you might see that show up as a one-off, but then kind of more, um, being more deliberate about running medium duration bids, kind of in the quarterly duration, you know, maybe up to six months or so, because they might have visibility in what they think the market is going to be for that amount of time, but their crystal ball is a little bit fuzzier, longer than that. Um, you're seeing bid duration compress, compress, bid frequency go up. There's no spot activity right now because tender rejections are so low. Um, that'll come back at some point, uh, you know, once once prices find a find their level. Um, and so, kind of managing where folks want to be in terms of bid frequency to keep as much out of the spot market as possible. And on, and again, to go back to a buzzword here, keeping things predictable uh, is where shippers are really trying to maximize right now. Um, predictability is by far. If you go back to think what a CFO wants, it's predictability. You know, the ability to say. Three quarters from now, we think our gross margin is going to be X because, you know, all of the components that go into that and not having B transportation be a big surprise to the negative there is really important. Um, so, you know, there's been a ton of manufacturers and retailer companies that have reported earnings. And if they have excess transportation costs that cause unforeseen uh, misses on earnings, they're getting blown up in the stock market right now. So I think that is top of mind for a lot of folks. Yeah, it goes back to the profitability, right? The predictability and profitability and being able to forecast that to investors, certainly, especially if you're a public company where you live and die by, by each quarter. Um, when it comes to profitability, um, you know, I, that, that ranks very high. That is something that, that you should be talking about uh, with CFOs, right? And it goes into that margin uh, category. Can you can you dive into that a little bit deeper about, you know, margin expansion market compression, how profitability uh, plays a key role in those decisions? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, uh, you know, everybody's trying to deliver ultimately value to their stakeholders and shareholders. Um, so it's a key component of the way that anybody would think uh, about how they want to handle transpo. The one thing I would say is that um, I don't think every shipper out there is going to necessarily squeeze every dime uh, out of this market as they can. Some will, uh, but I think if you race to the bottom, you get a lot of bottom feeders in terms of quality. And so, you know, a lot of shippers felt really burned uh, from their suppliers during COVID, you know, either from, you know, excess tender rejections or out now, you know, dropping contracts to go chase spot freight. So 
some folks are kind of out there feeling like they want a little bit of revenge. I think all things even out eventually, and the smarter shippers out there won't treat this as some sort of karmic retribution event, um, but more so finding the right folks that they want in their network that are reliable, dependable, and that's a two-way street. You think there's a little bit of hesitation in, in chasing those rights down to the bottom because of uh, because of the past two years, you know, pandemic years, and, and what that brought, and, and maybe that maybe there's some an, another event on the horizon. I, I know early, you know, say April, May, June, July of 2022, you found that. Are you finding that uh, shippers are a little bit more comfortable in in a sustained rate environment that we in capacity environment we find ourselves in, or are they a little bit fearful that the tide might turn quicker than they anticipate? Yeah, I mean, shippers are having a lot more fun today than they were a year ago. Um, it's just when it comes to their ability to actually yeah. move freight at a, at a decent rate. You know, I think, um, you know, as it relates to bid season, we're seeing some folks put, push some events off into Q1, Q2, where they might think there may be a true bottom uh, in the market. Again, everybody can be their own economist here and figure out when they think that's actually going to be. But you're seeing some people kind of play that a little bit tactically. Um, in, in this environment. But again, it, it comes back down to flexibility. You don't want to be too aggressive um, and kind of chase the market down as fast as possible because then you're going to have tender reactions shoot right back up. Um, you know, so I think people are being a little bit more measured. And, and, you know, for a lot of 2022, as rates decline, people were happy to keep tender rejections really low and just keep firing tenders into their existing route guide. You know, those are resetting lower. We're seeing a ton of bad activity on our platform. So those rates are coming down on the contract side. So, Naturally, at some point, you'll find bottom there. I don't know if it'll be as as dramatic as the inversion was earlier this year, but this entire market's always cyclical. You know, every, something's always moving up or down. It's never never flat. That's the, that's the one constant. Yeah, it's never flat. It, it never is flat, and I, I doubt it's going to be flat uh, in 2023. Certainly, the whole year, there's there's always some kind of event that, that happens uh, that, that no one can predict. It's, it's not in anyone's budget, and um, it creates that variance that, that happens. I, I think in 2019, you saw a very prolonged freight recession and um, and the intel of very low rates um, that, that was hit by the shock in, in 2020 of the, the pandemic and kind of the unexpected uh, surge in, in demand. It caught a, a lot of companies, a lot of transportation, logistics companies as well, shippers, uh, flat-footed in, in a lot of ways. But for, for shippers, um, and also logistics operations, you know, uh, when you get this this nice balance and uh, achieve a, a well-run logistics, oper- you know, operation, there are a lot of rewards in that. And you see a lot of companies who do it really well and other companies that don't do it well. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think the value that comes from shippers that do it well and find this balance is that they, again, have predictability uh, to, to hammer that buzzword again it's it's they want to be able to say you know i can deliver this margin x x months into the future and the people that can do that are the ones that really get their jobs um and so it may not be they're the absolute best in terms of rate per mile procurement out there but they're probably the most consistent um, and they're not facing those extremes either at the top or bottom of the market and so i think the market you know investor community probably rewards those companies just for predictability uh, and the ability to avoid kind of negative shocks that a lot of people got caught flat-footed on in 2020 and 2021. Um, you know, some folks that are, are chase the bottom are probably abnormally profitable right now in terms of, you know, cutting their logistics costs. But 
those tend to be the same folks that feel the most pain uh, on the flip side. And I think it's an asymmetric risk in this market. You get rewarded more for not doing that. Um, and so people that are being more intentional about their procurement in this environment, again, tactically doing bids of varying durations based on the type of freight they need to move, their visibility into their you know, production schedules that are going to you know, necessitate those moves. You know, the, the folks that are most sophisticated about that are the ones that are generally rewarded here and ended up finding the right balance with their supply network. Yeah, I think another another great benefit of getting this this right, you know, low variance uh, with high customer service on on the back end on those service levels is uh, since it's, it's operation. So it's a, it's a huge boon to a competitive advantage, right? It's it's really building that competitive advantage in your operations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think again, Transpro moved closer to core for a lot of big shippers uh, in terms of strategic importance in 2020 and 2021. Uh, and so people are building a lot more capability around that now. You know, I think Emerge is probably part of that wave um, as they want to build more sophistication and tools and flexibility around their procurement. So we're seeing a lot of inbound customer activity just for specifically that reason today. And and I, you, you're exactly right. Emerge is a big key to getting that that system exactly right. Uh, Brett, thanks for uh, joining us on Put That Coffee Down today. It was, it was wonderful. And um, look forward to having you back again soon. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. And with that, that wraps it up for this episode. Catch us next week, Tuesday, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on FreightWaves TV. I got friends, only want to talk business. I got expenses, because wind is expensive. I got expenses, because wind is expensive. I've been getting out of work. And I've been shutting out the stars.